Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here, and you're listening to the CFI podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. How can you teach someone better decision-making skills? Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here of M0A.com, and you're listening to the CFI podcast, the Certificated Flight Instructor Podcast, brought to you this week by the Bose A20 headset, which, by the way, the new Bose A20, which I'm flying with, also has a great CFI discount. And if your students buy a Bose A20, They also get a discount, so very cool uh, CFI referral program to look into, and you can learn more from the guys and gals over at Bose. Today's topic is just that, teaching personal minimums, and just like I led in with a question, how do you really teach someone good decision-making skills? You've dealt with students before, if you're already a certificated flight instructor, that some are just better at making decisions than others. And you know, for me, it really starts with choosing the days we fly. And uh, unfortunately, I have too many stories. You know, I, I teach so much through stories, because I believe, I mean, nothing gives more real-world applicability than hearing it from someone else. But a story, and I don't know if I've shared this on the CFI podcast before. I, I've certainly shared it. I mean, again, we do four podcasts, Private Instrument Commercial and CFI Podcasts, plus a few others. So it, um, I, I've shared it somewhere, but I'll share it again if you haven't heard it. If you have, it's just a great story to hear. Um, John, who does all our, John's our director uh, here at M0A.com, really our director of video production, does all the beautiful YouTube videos that you guys uh, see alongside the team that he oversees. And John's landlord, when he first moved here, was talking to his landlord, and his landlord said, hey, what'd you move into town for? What job did you take? And he explained to him, oh, I'm working for M0A.com, which brought up a large aviation discussion on how John's landlord um, took one and only flight lesson. And the story goes that John's landlord showed up to the flight school and they sold him a bunch of stuff. They they actually sold him a Bose A20 headset. Um, they sold him uh, all the books he would ever need. And, you know, $2,000 later, he's got this kit and the headset and everything else and goes to take his first flight lesson. And he goes up with a young CFI who he, he never interviewed or followed that process. Listen, I, I know we're, we all start as young, inexperienced CFIs, and somebody's going to be that gopher initially, but we can still give them the best service possible. Went up with this young, just starting out CFI, and he didn't know any better. He was just excited to fly, but the weather was really bad that day. It was actually IFR conditions. And he went up flying with this just CFI, not even CF double I, so very weak in the instrument department was this CF single I up flying, found themselves in that haze layer, and John's landlord is just kind of freaking out, doesn't quite know what to do, and tells the CFI that he needs to fly the airplane. The CFI is just all over the place, and he can feel spatial disorientation setting in, and he's trying to figure out how to shoot an instrument approach to get back down, and the CFI's exact words 
as they're trying to find the final approach fix and track the localizer inbound for what was supposed to be a discovery flight, his exact words to John's landlord, this student pilot, were, you better make peace with your God, <laughs> were this gentleman's, this flight instructor's exact words, to the student on a discovery flight uh, because he didn't have too great of an outlook uh, for where this flight was going. Needless to say, how I know about that story um, is because I ended up buying that Bose A20 headset and a few other things from John's landlord because the gentleman never went on to become a pilot. That one instance really kind of scarred him. He said, I don't think I want to learn to fly. It's way too dangerous. And flight instructors must just not be qualified to make good decisions or know how to say no. And I get it. I mean, I, I, who's been there before as a commercial pilot or as a CFI when it's the end of August, the rent is due, and you make money when you're in that airplane and it's flying? That's hard to do uh, sometimes, hard to, hard to say no, how, hard to turn down a flight. You know, early on, you have, you have to start teaching aeronautical decision-making and teaching personal minimums to student pilots early on. Early on, we only fly, and, and we only fly on those perfect days. But perhaps, just before solo, I'll take a student up on a less than ideal day. By less than ideal, let's say it's a gusty or a bumpy day weather-wise, and I'll take them up in those conditions. And why might I do that? Well, I, this is just, this is real Jason just talking to you now. If you only fly at, you know, 6 a.m. every day, every day is an easy flight because it's like glass. I'll make that student book a 3 p.m. flight in the summer in Florida and get bumped around a little bit and see how they handle that turbulence because you're not always going to be able to fly at 6 a.m. You might find yourself flying home at 3 p.m. and never dealt with turbulence before. So I'll take them up on that bumpy day just to make sure their ego, honestly, is still in check with that. But explain to them that you wouldn't be doing this flight without me because of these conditions. I'm okay... Maybe their personal minimums initially are, you know, Jason, I don't fly if the wind's greater than five knots. Well, you know what? I'm going to take you up and I'm going to show you a 10 knot day just so you know. Or here's the real kicker. When I ask a student their personal minimums, and gosh, this happens with 50% of the people, they go, ah, my personal minimums for wind are probably around like, um, I don't know, 10, 15 knots or so. And you kind of laugh and go, you, you haven't even soloed yet. You're going to tell me your personal minimums are 10 or 15 knots. So next time the winds are at like seven knots with a little bit of a crosswind, I take them up and they're quickly humbled when they realize they can't even handle seven knots of wind. And they quickly lower their personal minimums down to, hey, if the wind's greater than five or if the wind's even 20 degrees off a runway, I'm just not going flying solo because it's beyond me right now. Those personal minimums will be adjusted, but as of right now, that's beyond my skill set. I explained to them, you wouldn't make this flight without me, and here is why. Use this flight as a catalyst, though, to set up personal minimums. And when I talk about personal minimums, if you've been following me for any amount of time, you know this because I've said it a million times before. I have what's called hard set personal minimum numbers, which means I will not go flying if the clouds are lower than blank. 
I will not go flying if the visibility is less than blank. I will not go flying if the wind is greater than blank. You see, when you have hard set personal minimum numbers, the METAR makes the decision for you. If your personal minimum says, I will not go flying if there's any clouds less than, say, 2,000 feet, and you go out there and the METAR says, overcast 1,900, you're not going flying. Even if it says, few 1,900, you're not going flying because we know that a few layer quickly becomes a scattered layer, can just as easily become a broken layer, followed by an overcast layer, just to how weather changes in a snap, doesn't it? You let the METAR make the decision for you, and you take emotion out of the equation completely when you have hard set personal minimum numbers. Now, let me tell you this too. Early on, let's say even before before your students have a private pilot certificate, their visibility should not be less than nine. When they're setting their hard set personal and minimum numbers and they get to visibility and they go, ah, visibility, let's make it like a five. Have you ever seen five statue miles visibility is normally what I'll ask them. Not that kind of came out in a condescending tone. I would never talk condescending to a student, but I, I, would, I would ask them, have you ever seen five statute miles of visibility? It's a lot worse than you think. Because too often, student pilots forget that a METAR will say 10 statute miles when the visibility is 10, and it'll say 10 statute miles when the visibility is clear and unlimited. And they don't really know what 10 statute miles looks like. Take a student pilot up when it says visibility 9 and watch them. They're going to sweat because 9 miles of visibility isn't a whole lot when you're traveling through the sky at 90, 100, 110 knots they'll sweat, trust me, and they'll raise their personal minimums right back up to 10 in a heartbeat. Now, notice too, when I said have hard set personal minimum numbers, I said clouds. I will not go flying if the clouds are lower than blank. I didn't say broken or overcast, because I don't care. Just like we said, a few layer can become an overcast layer in an hour, if not sooner. The way weather, again, like we said, changes in a snap. Wind. I like to be lower on the wind side knowing that wind has a tendency to generally increase. You could add crosswind component in there. You could add personal minimum no-fly density altitude if it applies to you in your area. I will not go flying if the density altitude for that day is above 3,000 feet. And you can add a no-go density altitude. But the thing is, these numbers need to be set but these numbers need to be learned, meaning these numbers need to have some context behind them. Take them up on a day that is at the max of their personal minimums, and that'll help give them some context. Because it's so easy to just throw numbers down having never experienced them. Just like the example I gave of flying in visibility of nine, because a METAR says 10, whether it's unlimited or whether it's 11. It's going to say 10 statute miles. A TAF is the same thing. Remember, a TAF only forecasts out to six statute miles. Visibility could be seven. Visibility could be unlimited. It's just going to say visibility greater than six on a TAF. And student pilots, really even instrument pilots, need to understand that. Help your students with their decision-making process. Help them set personal minimums and use the hard set personal minimum technique. The numbers won't lie to you. The numbers take emotion out of the equation. When your friend has been bugging you 
for three times to take him flying, but you've canceled the previous three times. Now it's the fourth time. You're feeling so guilty. You've made your friend drive out to the airport three different times, canceling once for maintenance, once for weather, once because you didn't feel well. And finally, it's the fourth time and the weather is just kind of borderline. Well, it's a little bit past my personal minimums. Visibility is eight and my personal minimum is nine, but it's so close. And I don't want to make my friend go home for a fourth time. And they take them flying and your friend ends up having a really bad experience or worse, you just, you end up pushing yourself too far. And that's what we're trying to avoid. When you go out on discovery flights and take friends up for their first flights, you want it to be such an amazing experience. That's what we're after. But you need to give these student pilots context on how to set these numbers so they know and they know how to make smart decisions. So they know what 10 knots of wind feels like. So they know that 10 knots of wind usually means turbulence aloft as well. So they know that flying at 3 p.m. is turbulent and hot and higher density altitude in the summertime. That's the context they need. I hope you guys are enjoying this. I know you're awesome flight instructors because you listen to a podcast like this. I love reading your feedback. Thank you for the reviews. Thank you for coming by at Oshkosh and Sun and Fun and taking time to say hi. It truly means a lot. Guys, gals, enjoy the rest of your day. And most importantly, remember that a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, guys. See ya.